listening to the podcast 82488. On one shelf sat high-arched shoes that looked like archaic torture devices, all ending with points that seemed like they could draw blood when pressed against skin. And that was a selection from today's novel, Del West Destiny by Tommy Obaro. Page 8 Senseless of the Ocean A structural feat, both of human ingenuity and of cruelty. Yes, they sat in silence as another upbeat pop song played. I'm looking for my Johnny, sang the artist. After two hours, the car finally slowed in front of a gate. A uniformed security guard, his AK-47 resting loosely in his right hand, waved them through. The SUV eased over a cobblestone path. The car's headlights briefly shone on a man circling around the perimeter, huffing and puffing, wearing a tight t-shirt that clung to his convex stomach and shiny gym shorts. Behind him, a woman in a long flowing bubba and denim jeans was walking a tiny dog. Sunday turned down the street and drove past imposing houses, barricaded by cement walls with barbed wire festooned on top. He stopped at a yellow gate and honked the horn. The gate slowly opened forward and then back. Sunday rolled into the courtyard. There were two SUVs parked outside. The headlights from Sunday's car shone onto the house's exterior, which was an intimidating bulwark of cream brick with a coral stucco roof. Purple bougainvillea lined the walls and there were banana trees planted around the perimeter of the courtyard. Wow, Remy said, opening the car door and stepping out. Beautiful. Inneton also got out of the car and stretched. They both watched the front door open. Inneton, is that you? Page 24. Would-be fog machines and mood lighting, performances from rap stars, so much spraying of dollar bills, maybe even fireworks. Zainab had never been to such a wedding. She only read about them in the society pages. But she knew that this wedding was guaranteed to be a scene. It would probably be written up in the newspapers and on lifestyle sites like Bella Naya. Funmi wouldn't spare any expense for the nuptials of their only child, and Inka wouldn't stop her. And while Zainab did worry about destiny, she had to admit she was excited about leaving Kaduna for the weekend. Funmi's compound in Lekki was massive. It enabled Zainab to pretend that she was fabulously wealthy, at least for a few days. Servants set up the bedroom so they resembled hotel suites, complete with monogrammed towels and custom-packaged soap in the bathrooms. There were even house slippers placed near the bed so your feet wouldn't have to touch the cold tile floor in the morning, made frigid by all the arctic air conditioning. 
It was the thought of that large, soft bed and those down slippers, of the boiled plantain with fish stew she would ask the cook, Muiwa, to make her. That motivated Zainab as she sat on the bus, her lower back aching and her left foot numb. Calling it a bus was generous. It was one of those vans made out of rusted metal and held together by prayer. It had a functioning sliding door. If she looked down when the van was moving, she could see the road speeding by through a tiny hole in the floor. She had been sitting in a window seat but had gotten up to let a mother and her two children, a bug-eyed, full-cheeked baby, and a little boy sit next to her. Now Zainab sat in the aisle seat, her bag wedged on her lap, her right hand holding on to the row in front of her for dear life whenever the bus made a sudden lane change. The baby was finally asleep, head nestled against the mother's bosom, thumb stuck in his mouth, but while he had been awake, she had enjoyed watching him. He was likely around nine months a few months younger than her grandchild, Jinnabu, who could now stand on two feet and wander into rooms she was not supposed to. How quickly children grew. She had packed a small sleeves of Walker's shortbread for the journey and had offered some to the young boy, making eye contact. Page 88. Though Zainab had been to Funmi's house many times over the years, she had never been inside the master bedroom. It was preposterously large, with large floor-length windows, a huge canopied bed underneath mesh mosquito netting, a plush carpet on the tiled floor, giant television, an armchair, and matching vanities. The master bathroom had a jacuzzi tub and gold-plated sink fixtures. And then there were the closets, his and hers, as large as their kitchen back home in Kaduna. Funmi was dragging clothes by the armful and throwing them on the bed for Zainab to peruse at her leisure. Since both dresses Zainab had chosen for the dread in the church wedding had been dumped unceremoniously on the roadside, she was searching for replacements in Funmi's closet. And wow, what clothes! There was a slinky dark green number with a cinched in waist and black chiffon sleeves, a pink off-the-shoulder checkered dress with a fringe that looked like a complicated dessert, a floor-length maroon gown with a heart-shaped bodies, white foam mannequin heads lying down rows of Funmi's closet, each sporting their own pre-tied gelée, gold, green, red, orange, silver, bronze. On one shelf sat high-arched shoes that looked like archaic torture devices, all ending with points that seemed like they could draw blood when pressed against skin. Zainab knew that those items were likely designer names, but she was unable to recognize them. Her days of caring so much about her physical appearance were long behind her. The End Delwet's Destiny by Tommy Obaro. Throughout the life of literature, you will find a story that touches your soul. Please support the
listeners of this show by viewing the books on the website 82488.com. That's numbers 8. 